Two guys not related, yet somehow are given the same name. It's time for the Two Daves podcast, where we'll answer the age-old question, are two Daves better than one? And now, here's Dave and Dave. Welcome back to another Two Daves episode where the FDA just approved our podcast as a healthy and natural drug that increases sleep and causes rapid eye movement. Hey, I'm Dave. And I'm the other Dave, and this ain't tacos. Hey, Dave. Yes. Uh, we're going to, tonight, we're going to ask our viewers to be a part of an I'm listening survey that we've just started. Okay. So everybody, if you would either comment on your YouTube or Apple or wherever you get your podcast, or you can go to the two days uh, podcast Facebook page or Instagram and leave a comment that says, I'm listening. That's all you have to say. Just I'm listening. And thank you in advance for being a part of the two days nation. Awesome. We appreciate if you do that for us well, every so often, it's nice to know if we can go beyond our four or five listeners. So uh, <laughs> that's right. We're going to do, Hey Dave, it's time for the two Dave's fact of the day. Today it's sponsored by, don't you love all of our sponsors? Yeah, I do. That's, that's great. I know. Yeah. Uh, today it's sponsored. Uh, the two days fact is sponsored by Beulah's secondhand store on the corner of first and Looney street. Across from Jake's Big and Tasty Cafe and Lawn Care Services. That's right. That's Beulah's secondhand store. Well, you'll leave saying to yourself, I know where I'm doing this year's Christmas shopping. Yeah, that's right. And here is the two Dave's fact of the day. To make your life a little better, it really needs to become a little bit better after listening to that little commercial. But <laughs> here it is. Every time you bash your head on a wall, you burn off 150 calories. Ooh, man, you, you look like you've lost some weight this past week, Dave. <laughs> man, I've banged my head against the wall a few times <laughs> this week. I bet you those headbangers, no wonder from the singers from the 80s, they, they, no wonder they stayed skinny. You yeah, know? yeah, no kidding. Hey, by no. the way, this is the last episode in our first season. Isn't that wow. exciting? Episode 30. That's right. Well, let's wait for the crowd to just applause. Yeah. Oh, wait, sorry, that was static. Chirp, chirp. Okay, whatever. <laughs> All right, hey. We're, Dave, listen, we're really glad that you've uh, listened to us this season. Yeah. And go back and listen to your favorite episodes. We're planning on a second season being even better than this one. Well, anything's going to be better <laughs> than the first season. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> okay, hey, um, David, I know you have a pet or two. Do you just have one pet now or two? Yeah, yeah. We just, we have a cat. Yep. Okay. And uh, it's called Beulah, right? Or what's the cat's name called? Onyx. Onyx. Okay. Yeah, Onyx. And I have a couple, you know, toy poodles myself. Yeah. And uh, I thought before we brought on our guests um, to talk about some history stuff tonight, uh, we would talk about some very weird and creepy uh things about stuffing your animals yeah we found through our research team an article about pet owners and it's called uh, grieving pet owners can opt for stuffing or freeze drying deceased pets mm, yum uh <laughs> it's not a joke friends it's not That's a right. joke so some pet owners opt for preserving their pets 
to have them around forever. Now, Dave, I, I just got to ask you, is that weird or creepy to you? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I, I, I'm, I'm, I've heard of it. I know that there are people, I don't want to offend people, but because I know that there are probably some who would do that. But would you have Puddles or Sammy stuff? Every time I've mentioned that to my wife, my wife threatens me that uh, she will kick me out of the house. So uh, I don't know. Now, uh, you know, <laughs> I see it being weird. And then some of it, I don't know. Let's talk about it some more because maybe I'll have some sense knocked into me and lose 150 calories. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, this, this article written by Ryan Owens and Chris Murphy starts out by saying, Mary Kaufman of Lone Oak, Arkansas, still sleeps near her beloved Yorkshire Terrier, Brittany, even though the dog is long dead. I'm already creeped out. I'm creeped out there, too. He says, after Brittany died last year at age 14, Kaufman, 64, bypassed the pet cemetery and backyard burial to have the little dog stuffed and freeze-dried. Kaufman said being able to still look at and touch the deceased pet made her feel like Brittany, her loyal companion, was still with her. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's weird. Okay, Dave, have you ever seen the movie Pet Cemetery? I have. I've read the book and I've seen the movie. Oh, that's, uh, uh, what's his Stephen name? Stephen yeah, King. Stephen King. Mm-hmm. So that's about trying to bring your pet back to life, yeah. right? Yeah. And they bring a little boy back to life too, isn't that right? Yeah, or something? The, the pets that come back and the people that come back to life are actually—they're not really coming back to life. They're just the corpses that basically have some sort of a, you know, spirit in them, and it's not their spirit. It's a—it's—it's uh, it's weird. It really is. No, well, sounds like we're going to be talking about that later on, maybe for yeah. next season, huh? Yeah. But no, no, you know, I, my pet, my, my cat loves to, for me to pet her, but it, there's a difference between petting a cat that responds and petting an inanimate object. So that's, that's true. But anyway, let, true. let me keep reading. Okay. Brittany represents a lot to me. Kaufman said, I lost a husband and I lost a son and I had Brittany during that time. When we lose a family member, we don't just forget about them and just move on. They're still a part of our lives. That doesn't mean I have to let go of the past. Well, okay. First of all, I don't think people stuff their loved ones after they're gone, but I could be wrong. I, I mean, know. I've never heard do of you. Do you remember we talked about how some family traditions, they bring yeah. uh, cardboard pictures of I life-size cardboard pictures of their family to the holidays. Yeah. I mean, that's creepy enough right there, right? Yeah. But, but okay, so let's talk about this, though. Is it valid what Mary's saying here? She doesn't have to let go of her pet uh, in one way. Um, is there a difference? Um, so much so that stuffing pets doesn't have to be weird or creepy. Well, it's interesting. You know, I just saw um, here in the last couple of days a, a documentary, and I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's actually an old documentary now made from made back in 1963, but it's called Mondo Kane. It's it's weird. It's just a it's a weird. I'm not even recommending it. 
but um, there's a segment in there that uh, talks about pets, pet cemetery. And you view some mourners who are going to visit the pet cemetery. And specifically, I'm thinking of this one lady who she kneels down at the grave of her, I don't know, dog or cat or snake, whatever it is. I don't know. But she's talking to the, I think there's probably a picture up on the tombstone. She's talking to the picture and she's patting the ground where the little coffin is or something like that. And hmm. I'm just, um, as an audience member, I, I'm responding the way the documentarians want me to respond. And that's going, uh, that's weird. Because, you know, you even when you have your pet stuff, haven't you still lost the companionship? I mean, you can't, every pet has a personality, right? Your dogs have personalities. Yes, yes. Well, it, when they die, they lose that personality, obviously. I don't, if, if there's stuff sitting on your mantle, you you still have lost their companionship. I uh, I I know. In fact, I have my little doggy tonight, Pudsy, underneath the table here, sleeping in her bed. So she she's alive? with me. She's alive. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. She's alive. And you, you know, Dave, we both know that um, there are a lot of people, and it's going to be hard on me when I lose my my dogs. You know, so there hard. is a bond there. Oh yeah, it's very hard. I'm not doubting that at all. As a matter of fact, we had decided, my wife and I had decided that uh, we were done with pets. Our kids left the house. It was just the two of us. Uh, we know that they're a lot of work and we just didn't want to be tied down to pets. Plus the, just the, the heartache when they go, you know, when they die. But we, uh, my wife rescued this cat back in February and uh, we love her. She's already part of the family. So, well, and, and I'd like to correct you. This is not you two. I mean, you got that dummy with you, you know, so That's there's true. really three of you. That's true. So yeah, we try not to bring him up, though. Yeah, it has a personality, sore, right? Sore subject. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, this article then states pets are a huge industry in the United States. And I believe that the yeah. American Pet Products Association estimates that Americans will spend almost $75 billion on their pets this year. Dave, I said billion, not million. Wow. wow. The National Pet Owner Survey says roughly 62% of U.S. households own a pet, which equates to 72.9 million homes. That's a lot of fur. <laughs> That's a lot of fur, yeah. <laughs> well, okay, so... $53 billion spent by Americans on pets. That really doesn't surprise me in a, in a way. I mean, we, does it you? Uh, no, well, it should. Yes, it does. Well, you know, it's more than that, isn't it? It's, it's 75, it's 75 million, billion, so billion. Well, I don't know where I got 53 billion at anyway. Oh, um, you weren't listening evidently. No, I, I guess I wasn't, but I looked up five major categories of, um, you know, not housing and all that kind of stuff, but other, other leisure. Like, yeah. Mm, on how Americans also spend their money. And here's the breakdown. You ready okay. for this? Yeah. Tell me if these surprise you or not. Okay. So it, it comes out to people spend $890 per pet each year. Huh. A lot of money. They spend $3,400 a year going out to eat. You know, I can believe that. And that's sad. Yeah. Um, they spend 600. And this is just probably your average 600 a year on alcohol. Well, I don't contribute to that at all. 
I don't either, but I know that there's some next door. We have a pub right next to us uh, in our our church office right now, temporary church office uptown. There's people I see there every day. It's got to be more than $600. So anyway, and then I can believe this. People spend $750 a year on coffee drinks. Yeah, I can believe that too. And again, I don't, I contribute a little bit, but not much. I don't get coffee. Do you go to Starbucks? No. First of all, Dave, where do I live? <laughs> yeah, but you go to Hayes every so often, right? Yeah, no, I don't do Starbucks. Even if I live next door to a Starbucks, I wouldn't go. Okay, okay. Well, there's other ways of spending money on on coffee, like through all the, you know, the Keurig stuff and all that. Well, but like when I go pick up a can of Folgers at the store, that's spending money sure. on coffee. Yeah. It is, it is. And then they say people, the average is 7,000 a year on vacations or getaways. I thought that was awful high, but that's what they said. So I don't know. Back to the article, uh, Daniel Ross is 35. He's a professional taxidermist who preserved Brittany. He's the owner of Extreme Taxidermy. It's a growing business. He runs out of a shed in the front yard of his home of, in all places, Romance, Arkansas. He says, <laughs> he says, if you raise something for 15, 20 years, it's not just simply a pet anymore. It's part of the family. And I agree with that. Yeah. Some people think it's weird, but I can tell you that for all the customers that I've had, and I've seen the joy and happiness, the peace that it brings back to their life to have their beloved cat or dog or whatever back, it's worth it. <laughs> hmm. Well, <laughs> yeah. I guess to each their own, right? I guess so. I don't want to. I don't want to judge or criticize. No. Uh, I just go, laugh and do it. Yeah. It goes on to say in his office, Ross has free dry freeze dryers packed with pets from across the country. It costs about 500 to $700 to have an average size dog stuffed with cotton and freeze dried. Wow. The process takes months and people don't just send their cats and dogs Ross has received a prized rooster, a hairless rat, among other odd requests. Do you remember when Kyle on Last Man Standing had Ed Elzate's dog? (laughs) Yes. Yes, that's funny. (laughs) Yeah. That was funny. So anyway, Ross said that one Texas woman paid a few hundred dollars to have him pose her deceased spider monkey with an empty can of her late husband's favorite beer glued to its hand. <laughs> she then wanted her husband's ashes poured into the empty can. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, such unique requests garnered Ross and his business their own reality TV show. Can you believe that? Mm-hmm. It was on the animal planet called American Stuffers. Did you ever with, see it? No, no. no. Yeah. With each episode ending with a pet owner reuniting with his de- his or her dearly departed loved one. Oh boy. But Ross said he didn't get into the pet uh, preservation business to make money. Huh. He says, I'm a professional. I'm not some backwoods taxidermist. He says it's in an odd way to make a, it's an odd way to make a living. And trust me. I never would have thought that I'd be working on somebody's beloved pet and being on TV or anything like that. Yeah. 
The last part of the article, Ross adds this statement, a lot of people do choose to bury their animals or have them cremated if that's what they choose. And I think that's fine, but I don't think that anybody should criticize anybody for what you do with your pet. And I would agree with that. It's, you know, we're having some fun with it, but it's not really criticism. It's just going, mm, I wouldn't want to do that. Right. I, I totally agree. I, so after you've heard that article, Dave, what do you think? Would you, would you stuff your pet or no, not, it's not changed your mind. No, no, that's not no. going to happen. Okay. Well, I doubt if it happens in my household too, but you never, you never know. You never well, know. Hey, listen, tonight we're going to bring on Jeff Martin. He's a high school, he's a high school <laughs> history and government teacher. Hey, speaking and of pets, yeah, <laughs> you got three stupid dogs that'll bark a lot. Uh -oh. Well, you can hey, stuff right. them. You can stuff them when they're dead. So uh, he's a high some school. Days, some days I wish they were. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff is a high school history and government teacher at a local high school in Iowa, Minneapolis, Iowa. Which, by the way, Jeff, that's where my dad was born many years ago. But uh, he's here to talk about history and maybe more. So. Um, um, you know, especially the surge to rewrite or erase history. It's, it's a big deal. Somebody once said that it's illogical to wrench historical figures out of their context and expect them to have had modern views on such issues. Moreover, people today should not be held accountable for the actions or transgressions of previous generations. In the words of the Pulitzer Prize winning eminent U.S. historian and author Barbara Tuckman, wrote one of the worst things that we moderns can do to assess and judge the happenings of the past by the thoughts and morals of the present. Hey, welcome, Jeff, uh, to the Two Daves podcast. Um, what do you think of this push, this surge to rewrite history and to just kind of, um, you know, erase the historical figures from the past? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, number two, I, I agree with what the quote was. We can't judge people based on today's uh, moralities and today's standards. You know, it, and I, I think it, it, it does a disservice to everybody if we take anybody out of history because that's just part of it. It might be ugly because parts of history in America are ugly. You know, I, I've always tell our kids, I think, America wears the white hat most of the time, but not always. There's yeah. times where we did things as a government and as a country that was not were not good. And when you talk about those as well, but to to erase anything that is pertinent is 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 just a futile attempt to me to try and get your point across and squelch another person's opinion. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, many of you. Um, will not know this, but Jeff is my first cousin. Um, and he's way smarter than me. I can tell oh, you that. I know about so, that. We yes. all know that. Dave. Yes, he is. That. But we thought it'd be a great night of conversation. I saw him a couple of weeks ago and, um, he's been a history teacher. Jeff, why don't you kind of introduce yourself to our, uh, two Dave's, uh, podcast audience, if you would. Sure. Uh, I, I've uh, lived my life basically in Southeast Iowa or in Eastern Iowa. Uh, I was from Columbus Junction. I'm born, uh, born in Perry, but we moved to Columbus. When I was three, my parents were both teachers. Uh, in fact, I replaced my dad when he retired in 2004. And my mom taught until 2010. And my sister and my brother-in-law were there for a while. It's kind of like the mafia. 
Um, <laughs> in fact, 2016, when I moved, was the first time that there wasn't a Martin Kitchen or somewhere in the school district at Columbus since 1973. Wow. wow. Um, yeah, I, I grew up there. I went to school at Simpson, played a little college football, and then uh, I've coached football for since 1993, track since 93. Right now, I'm the softball coach as well, still coaching football and track as well. And uh, But I've been teaching as a full-time teacher uh, with a real job since 1995. And I've taught U.S. world history, Iowa history. Uh, even, I've created my own black history unit. I even had a, a – created my favorite class ever. It was my sports history unit, which I made into kind of like an ethics class through sports. It was awesome. Loved teaching that one. Uh, but I've, I've done pretty much everything you can in the history field except or the social studies field except for sociology and social. I never, uh, I never, and psych, I never got any of those endorsements. But that's kind of who I am. I spent a year uh, when I started teaching, I first two years were seven. Uh, I spent a year teaching in Vandalia, Missouri, four in Atuma, four in Bellevue, 12 in Columbus, and here in Minneapolis, the last, this would be my sixth year starting in Minneapolis. Wow. Okay. And and I can chew gum and walk at the same time. So uh, I told you. I told Somewhere you. There's a disconnect here in the uh, cousins. But anyway, there is. There is. Uh, I got the trains and he got the brains. So yeah. uh, anyway. Well, Jeff, thanks for, um, I thanks don't for know, coming on. I don't know who originally said this. I've seen it attributed to uh, anybody from Benjamin Franklin to Albert Einstein, but. We've, we've heard it said many times that those who forget history are doomed to repeat it, and those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Do you agree with those statements? And if so, is there a danger in what's going on today with people wanting to rewrite the past? Yeah, I, uh, I, I agree with some of those statements. I, I'm not so, so sure that history repeats itself, but I think what happens is people, it's kind of it's cyclical to me where people have the same ideas and they bring them back. Uh, anytime, you know, what I find most, 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 uh, what do I want to say here, most disturbing, mm -hmm. you know, as, as a history teacher, uh, communism is bad. <laughs> uh, folks, communism is bad. And to hear that people in America today mm -hmm. have thought that's something we should do is just beyond me. Uh, so that I don't understand how that happened. I don't understand why where we're getting that. I don't uh, so think they understand. When we're looking at how, his, how things take over, yeah, that's that worries me a little bit. Yeah. Hmm. Um, what about you know, people are forgetting the importance of the past as well. And I mean, yeah. I, I think some of the bad things that's happened in the past are important to remember as well. You know. Yeah. Um, when we. You know, we have uh, the, the issues we have today uh, with African-Americans in, in the United States. You know, that didn't happen overnight. You know, no. 2016, Colin Kaepernick then decided, I'm mistaken me. No, uh, this stuff has been going on for a long time. And um, what we as a nation have to realize that, yeah, uh, in the past, we have not given a lot of, of minority groups a break. When we should have, and and that's something we have to learn about. What 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 bothers me is the fact that you can't paint everybody with one brush. That we all are like that, and I think that's what's happening with some of the social justice movements today. 
as they're interpreting history a little different than maybe I would. And then, but once again, that's not my experience. You know, it's a, it's a different person's experience. So history is your own experience most of the time. I don't know if all history teachers are like you today. Hmm. Well, yeah, it's, uh, I'll full disclosure. I'm, I'm a fairly conservative person. Um, I'm, I'm a little different than most conservatives. I am uh, socially conservative, fiscally liberal, which means if they want to use my money to help as many people, I don't care, like for tax programs. But social issues, I'm pretty pretty conservative person. But I'll help, I would like to help out as many people as I can. If they use some of my money to do that, I, I'm 100% okay with that. Um, yeah. Yeah, and as in my position, yeah, it's it's sometimes it's interesting to hear the different points of view, and especially this year with the new legislation that's being passed by our Republican uh, co Congress here in Iowa, where we have to now every high school has to do the Pledge of Allegiance. Which I, I agree with that's fine, but I know where that's coming from. I know that's coming from a push to get back to more traditional values from that particular group. Um, you know, today, you know, as a history teacher, you're you're looking back years. I mean, you're looking back um, decades, you're looking back centuries, you're, you're, you're going way back. Today, we have 2020 hindsight on yeah. all that. And yeah. it, go, ahead. go ahead. No, well, I'm just, <laughs> go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And people think, just be, you know, you can't, um, you know, for example, my the president, I think the, the best president I think we've ever had is George Washington. And that is because he created the office. All the things he did, he did every, everything that happened after him was basically a copy of that guy. So he creates an office. He's the only person in America who could have been a king. Yeah. Could have been king of America because after the after the revolution, the Continental Congress had not paid the officers. Officer Corps comes up to him and says, we want to go in and take over. And you should take over and be the king. He says, no, we're not going to do that. That's not what we fought for. So that's a great thing. But today, oh, what do we what do we think about George Washington? Oh, he owned slaves. He did this. Well, yeah, he did. And that and that's a bad thing. But that was a different time where people are now saying, you can't own slaves. Well, yeah, in 2021, that's not what you do. Right. But at that particular time in history, he actually was fairly moderate in what he did as far as owning slaves, freeing them, and only freedom on his death, like Jefferson did, but that's just what it is. Yeah. Mm. But, it, you know, it's interesting. I, I My ears pricked up there when you talked about your favorite president. Between the two days, I'm the definitely the, the presidential history buff. And uh, your favorite president is, is Washington. My, my favorite ones, I can't really narrow it down to one, definitely Lincoln and Reagan and Truman and Polk. Uh, any, other, any other favorite presidents that you have? Well, actually, I think he's the best. My favorite, though, is Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, yeah. Okay. Any, anybody who gets shot in the chest and keeps delivering the speech, uh, that's my guy. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Huh? And he gets a black eye and a boxing match on the White House lawn. I'm, I like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Uh, well, what about sure. your favorite vice president? Mine is Dan Quayle. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but probably my favorite vice president um, would be Truman because when he became president, he had no idea there was the atomic bomb and had to make that choice 
right now. And there's there's another instance. You know, we have today so many people in America who are saying we should not have dropped the bomb, and this is terrible. We feel, yeah, it was terrible. It's a terrible weapon. But as an historian, I look at it and go, you know what? In 1945, I don't care if we drop the bomb on Japan. Get this war over. No more Americans die. No more Japanese die. Yeah. And so when he, when he, as a vice president, he comes in not knowing anything, and then he does that. I like Truman. Actually, my, you know, my presidents for my, for our, uh, Roosevelt, Washington, Truman. Those, wow. those guys are awesome. Yeah. Great. Well, what you about kind of? Who do you think go the ahead. worst presidents in history are? Oh, uh, the worst ones. Well, you got to go back where the guy we had, uh, the guy who was there for about 40 days, I can't remember his name, who died. Oh, 40 um, days? Calvin, oh, Harrison? Harding. Harding probably was the worst. Back in the 20s, he was the yeah. most corrupt. And he basically hired all his buddies to do all his, all his cabinet. And it was awful. You know, I actually use this. We talked about Harding. Um, I use uh, Urban Meyer hiring. Um, and I know this didn't age well, but this was back in 2013 when he was in. Tom Herman was the was the, the OC at uh, Iowa State, and they beat Oklahoma State in, that, in 2011. He hired him sight unseen, had never met him before in his life. He hired him based on how good he was, not because he was a buddy. And that's what Harding did. Harding, Harding hired all his buddies. Yeah. And they were terrible. And so that to me, and I, and the one, my least favorite president though, probably is Woodrow Wilson. Oh because yeah. Woodrow Wilson came in as a progressive. I'm going to be a, be a champion for the black man. The first thing he did was segregate the Washington DC uh, staff, which hadn't been segregated since the civil war. And he was, he was the first video ever. The first movie ever shown in the white house was birth of a nation. Yeah. which was a KKK interpretation of Reconstruction. And him and the, I, and I can't tell, I can't remember who the Supreme Court Justice, what, Chief Justice at the time, they watched it. And the quote was, it was like watching history with lightning and the sad part, it's so true. Have you ever seen that movie? It's a, it's a propaganda clan piece of trash that is, for the time was a good movie as far as the cinematography and things like that. But it's just a, KKK propaganda piece, and that guy is supposed to be up with the Black Americans is having yeah. his White House. So that's to me, that's a hypocritical move, and I never like that guy. Oh, okay. So let me ask something here. What do we? What can we learn? I mean, aren't we supposed to learn from history? Isn't that part of the reason why we teach history is to learn? Why are we not learning some of these things today? Um, <clears throat> I think in general. <clears throat> And yet I'm starting to become the, the, the guy, the get off your front lawn guy, because I'm counting the days <laughs> till I can retire in about six or seven years now. <laughs> with all these new things we have to do, I'm getting closer to it every day. But I think so much of what we've taught in the past, now they are just, we don't even talk, that, talk about that that much, because they can just Google that, which I disagree with wholeheartedly. Uh, I get in trouble sometimes over that. But, you know, I, I, I think the big thing is kids, they don't watch as much stuff as they, or don't listen as much as they used to, or don't watch. Like, for example, I'm a football coach. I'm a football guy. When there's a football game on, I'm watching all of it. All of it from start to finish. My son, three-year varsity starter, never watched a game start to finish, watched the highlight. That's all I did. Uh -huh. so I think we're watching, looking for highlights in history now. And uh -huh. 
instead of knowing what we really, what really, now I, I always teach, I don't, I don't do dates very much. A couple you have to know, but not very many, but I, I like more cause and effect type stuff. And that's, I think, and that's what I think history should be. And, and I think what's happening is um, we, there's, there's so many things open to interpretation and so many people. And I, and I do believe, I do believe that in some of our universities, there is such a different slant than what I have that it is way different than the teach the history I teach. The, the girl across the hall from me who's 24, 25, she's a good teacher. She has a way different slant. We go around and around about the Hiroshima bombing. You know, I'm all for it. And she's like, well, we shouldn't have done it. And I'm like, uh, I haven't, you know, old Her Truman said it best. And he says, he, you know, I'd apologize, but I haven't gotten a, huh. I haven't got, I'm a sorry for, Pearl Harbor. <laughs> you know, well, I, that's true, man. That's true. I, we kind of wish that you would kind of really tell us what you think and what you feel tonight. <laughs> so uh, that's good. Uh, um, CRT, which, you know, I know, you know, it's about critical race theory. Uh, that's kind of being shoved down or, or uh, something. Can, can you kind of tell us? In the, high, in the public schools, in the Iowa public high schools, we don't do that. It's, okay. You're seeing a lot of propaganda from uh, the Republican. I'm a conservative. I'm not in the Republican Party because I don't really like either party. I'm more libertarian. I'm just a conservative dude. And when I look at this, the, I think the Republican Party is using that as a talking point to gain votes. I really do. Because we don't really do that in, in, in the public school setting. Now, some of the universities, they might. And I, don't, I, I can't speak for that because I'm not there. But I know, for example, let's just... Uh, if you talk to civil rights area, I'm going to give both sides and I'm going to talk and say, listen, this is, you know, this was bad. This is why it happened. Or if we go up to in the 90s, we talk about the O.J. Simpson case. You know, why did that? Why was he acquitted? Two reasons. One, he had money. And two, they didn't want to have the jury wanted revenge for the Rodney King thing. That's the true story. So we talk about things like that. And and we, and I don't think there's any. I don't think that there's uh well, moving back up. I think that we need, there's a disconnect between what happens today when there are police involved in shootings and things like that, as compared to what it was, what it was in the sixties, you know, or, or before that, if you look at the sixties and this gets a very controversial theory, I don't really want to say a lot of things. I want, I still got seven years left, but <laughs> But here's my major idea as I think about this was the fact that um, the guys that were getting hurt in the 60s weren't doing things that were illegal. They were mm -hmm. trying to get rights to vote. Today, no matter what, no matter what side you're on, if you look at some of the, the, high, the, the high profile cases where there's been police involvement, police shootings, a lot of it is resistance. And I understand because when and I taught at Columbus, we had some black students because we had a, a Tyson plant in town. Mm -hmm. So these kids and a couple of them, one of them, there was one kid, uh, Devon, who was on my relay team, high jump 6'4", one of my favorite kids of all time. Uh, he looked like that center from Iowa State with the dreads a few years ago in basketball. Yeah. Um, and I asked him, I said, how'd you guys, when you lived in Chicago, deal with the police? 
And he just said, we stayed away from him because we, we knew that it would be, it, it was probably to our best interest to stay away, which is a way different perspective than what, what I have. Mm-hmm. And then I had another girl from Chicago and I asked her and she was your stereotypical, <laughs> I hate to say it, but your stereotypical person who's from the ghetto. And she's like, well, we wanted to go fight the cops. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because I grew up, the cops were my friend. They grew up, hey, we got to watch them. So it's a different perspective in history. And I mm-hmm. understand that's what people, what we have to get rid of is I, I don't know how you do that. Well, I do know how you do that. You, It's Jesus Christ that does that, but that's hard to get to when not everybody has that belief. Um, but that's what I, I try to do. I try to help as many key people as I can. I could care less. You know me. I could care less what color skin you are. Care less yeah. who you are. As yeah. long as you treat me well, we're, we're going to get along fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, the political system fuels all this. And oh, yeah. uh, like you were saying, um, so not only do you teach history, Jeff, but you teach um, government, which I mean, there's history on that I as well. I have government for a while, but I have. Okay. So uh, what is taught in government class today in our public schools? And even though you haven't done it for a while, what's, what's being taught? There. Well, you're you're allowed to teach whatever you whatever you think you want and that sort of thing. What I did, I thought I taught what I thought was important for the kids. I taught civil I taught the, the Bill of Rights because I you know I taught how how to know because I wanted to know if they got arrested what their rights were. Uh-huh. Okay. I taught how to vote and I taught political bias one way or the other. And, and, and I didn't teach any of the history of how it started because we do that in U.S. history. Uh, so that's kind of what I did. I can't speak for a lot of other history teachers or government teachers because I'm, I'm a little different than most teachers. When I go to school, I go to my room and the door shuts and I go to lunch and I go to football practice and I go home. I don't go to the lounge. I don't do any, any gossiping about what we're doing down the hallway. I don't care. But there are a lot of teachers do. And they, they want to know. And I understand some of that. We're bouncing ideas off each other. But I'm old enough. Like I said, I'm getting to the point where I'm the get off my lawn guy. And mm-hmm. that is kind of how I taught government. And I, I, love, I love teaching government. You know, I didn't, it was kind of funny because my dad, he taught government. And he, he was like, we taught history. He was a history teacher or a government teacher teaching history. And I was a history teacher teaching government. Uh-huh. And I did it because I. I'm more of a history guy. He was more of a government guy. Um, so it's yeah. too bad if dad was here, which I know my, da- our, my dad, Dave's, Dave's uncle passed a year ago in March, and he'd be the guy you really want because he, he was real smart. Yeah. I would talk to him a lot, Jeff, because he'd yeah. have to set me straight on some stuff. He knew yeah. his stuff. I mean, yeah, your smart. dad was smart when it came to that. Dad. Dad liked to fool people because when he was growing up, he never tried. Uh, my uncle and my dad's, my our grandpa, they didn't care about education that much. Right. And dad got a 13 on his ACT because he was sick and just played dot to dot. Um, but if he really tried, I know he could have really, he done real because my dad was real smart. Yes, he was. You know, yes, it, was. it's obvious today, uh, especially I mean, when you just listen to even certain members of the United States Congress mm-hmm. speak that more and more Americans don't understand the constitution or not even aware yeah. that there's the constitution or couldn't care less about it. Right. For example, the first amendment reads 
Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So the First Amendment gives everybody living in the United States the right to hear all sides of every issue mm -hmm. and to make their own judgments about those issues without government interference or limitation. What, um, what's your take on the First Amendment? Um, I always tell kids the First Amendment protects unpopular speech. You know, I always give I always give this example. Uh, it was, could the KKK come down into the town town and say all black people are stupid and, and we must be killed? Sure. Do you want to say that? But I'm going back up. I say all black people must leave and and uh, aren't deserving of our rights. You can say that you're an idiot, but you can say it. Free speech protects that. Now, what they can't say is obviously they're going to hurt them or something like that. But that's what I used to say and the when I taught government was it protects unpopular speech. And I think what's happening here is the social media sites are deciding what they want to have on what what not have on. And that's an issue because because they're private, they can decide that. Mm -hmm. and, and and is Facebook or Twitter or something is that a private or a public venue? We don't know because it is a private venue. So they can put on who they want and decide mm -hmm. what's right and wrong. The problem is people don't understand that, that it's a private venue. They think it's public. They think the government's doing it. The government's not doing that. These, and Now, you could make the connection that they're doing it through a third person with, uh, with the media moguls and the people who are part of it. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't like the way our, our place is headed where – Everything is Wikipedia. Everything is is what you hear on Twitter or Facebook, and that's not necessarily true. And I, I the only thing I really use Facebook is is to advertise my football helmets I make, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, social media has a lot to do with censorship. Yeah. And um, it's really the fuel that drives our cancel culture. Um, I know there's, I mean, plus hate and a lack of respect for one another, and you can go on from there. But my, my question is, um, with everything that's going on, how come we're not hearing more from the Supreme Court about protecting the Constitution or upholding the Constitution, or are we? Um, I think the biggest thing, you, got, you understand how the Supreme Court works, you've got to have cases that go through the federal and district courts first. And that takes a while. You know, it's going to take, if, by the time you get to like, for example, if you go back to Roe versus Wade, by the time that course, that, that case was heard, she'd already had the baby like three years before, after that. So mm -hmm. it takes a while to go from, you can't, the Supreme Court's the thing of last resort. So if it's, it's going to take three or four years for that to filter up to the Supreme Court. So if we ever get a case like that, it's going to be a couple of years down the road because it's just now come into what people are thinking about, I believe, in the last two or three years. Yeah. Um, well, you see the stuff that's going on, um, especially through, it just seems like we don't trust our government. And I think I, you're saying the social media is helping that. But I mean, I also see some political heads that are also feeding into that oh, as yeah. well. Uh, well they, 
Dave and I talked about conspiracy theories, you know, stupid conspiracy theories. But I think one of the things that is driving that is a lack of trust for our government. Yeah, I think uh, I do. I think the lack of trust ever since you had the Kennedy assassination and people perpetuate the idea that there was a second shooter and that sort of thing. And then 20 years after that or after the fact or so, you get Oliver Stone basically making a movie that was totally fiction and people pass it off as, as fact. Yeah. So you get like that, you get those things. And so people automatically think that it has to have, uh, has to be a conspiracy where, uh, you know, there is no way that like, for example, uh, George W. Bush, or George W. Bush knew that knew that the twin towers were going to get knocked down, and I find that ridiculous. When the, when they can't keep a secret about anything else, you're going to keep <laughs> a secret about that for 20 years? No, right. And that's the thing is the conspiracy theories. They they sometimes become part of what we believe is true. Everybody think all the grass, you know, grass. No, man. The guy's nuts. That's what he's doing. Yeah. So, so we're going to get um, a little part of culture. Let's you know, get a little tougher on him now, yeah. Dave. Okay, let's ask some more deeper questions here if we can. Current events. Um, if we live long enough, current events will be the things that our history teachers will be talking about in the years to come. So let's talk about 2020, the elections in 2020. We had a lot going on of government officials breaking rules using COVID as their rationale. And you know that right now, the trust level in, in our elections in the U.S. is at an all-time all -time low. Yeah. How, how do you feel about the election process? You know, that, you know that the election of 2020 is going to be taught about in history. Uh, um, what's your feelings there? I, I, like, I like status quo with one exception. Uh, I would say the only, and my, and my dad and I talked about this. I like the electoral college with, and I, I think it should be possibly more, not necessarily a winner take all. Make okay. it a little, if you want to make it a little bit more fair, if you win by 80%, you get 80%, just like they do in, like they do in a parliamentary system. So that's the only thing I would say because the electoral college works and it, and I like the way that, but if you are, you are talking about three or four states basically controlling the United States, that's a problem. Yeah, you know? and, and that, and I, I think with that you could have, you could possibly uh, alleviate some of that. It, yeah. Jeff, it looks like you're getting a storm down there. Is that right? Yeah, we are. You're, uh, we, you're getting what we had. Yeah, we we was good too because it was we have a field turf field of about 110 on the field tonight. Ooh. Oh boy! Oh god! The uh, heat just comes up out of that rubber. Yeah. Okay, so let me give you another one here. The Secretary of Homeland Security has issued a new national terrorism advisory uh, system called the NTAS bulletin regarding the current heightened threat environment across the United States. Now, just to name a few of those threats, are the following. Um, and it's those who believe in this or act upon this. There's many of them. I'm just naming a few, okay? So one is those that believe in conspiracy theories on perceived election fraud and alleged reinstatement and responses to anticipated restrictions 
relating to the increasing COVID cases. So this current administration says that you are a conspiracy theorist if you believe the election had fraudulent practices or if you disagree with the way our administration is handling the, the restrictions of COVID. Can you kind of talk through that with us on, on what, what are they, what, what do you make of I that? Think, okay, you have to remember what we're trying to get here as far as the two parties. It's a competition. It's winner take all. They're trying, the Democrats, because they're in power right now, are trying to eliminate the Republicans. How do you do that? You take their theories, uh, you know, and okay, I'm, I'm going to talk about Trump a little bit. I was never a big Trump guy. I voted for that guy twice because I didn't like the other guy. And I was not a huge Trump guy, but I didn't like the other guy, the other people at all. Now, yeah, Trump did some terrible things with in his social life, and it was bad. But I have never seen somebody who can never do anything right in the eyes of the media, and that has to me that's carried on. And now the now, as I look at it, the the media is complicit, I think, with the Democratic Party in trying to win for the Democratic Party, which I understand because Fox News does the same thing for the Republican Party. So. Somewhat. That's kind of the way I looked at it. Yeah. I don't know if that um, answers your question or not, but yeah. have you seen in your lifetime, you're about you're about our age, have you seen in your lifetime um such complicity in the media before? No. But I will say this, I never looked either before. <laughs> wow. I never looked. You know, I mean, to be honest, I was not political at all until I was about 30 years old. And I remember kind of funny because my mom, bless her heart, is 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 fairly liberal minded. Now she's more conservative than she lets on. She hated Donald Trump, but she's pretty much conservative, but she's got a liberal tent. And I remember I used to listen to Rush Limbaugh all the time when I was that age. And I found, you know, until that until he used to say things like, all drug users must go to jail, then he got caught and all of a sudden he stopped saying that. So I stopped listening to him because he's not going to be a hypocrite. And I'm not going to listen to him. But Rush was entertainment. And I, and I just thought everybody listened to Rush. And I remember driving to Dubuque once when we lived in Bellevue. And mom and dad were in the car. And I turned the TV on. And my mom flipped out. You turn him off. He's racist. I'm like, it's Rush. You know, I <laughs> Rush was just a guy who he's not racist. He just didn't like liberals. But that's, I think, that sort of stuff, us against them, has always been there. It's just magnified now because everybody can have an opinion. And you can look on Twitter. I I used to do this too when I would uh, teach, uh, and I still do it when I teach things on, on race, the way certain news stations carry things, like CNN compared to Fox and NBC. Um, I'll never forget the Ferguson riots where MSNBC was showing all the cops fire and tear gas and it looks so terrible and you turn to fox and they're covering the looters i'll never forget that where some some lady had three bottles of alcohol of hard hard liquor the guy says hey can we talk to you and she took off running and to, so to me i i think the media's always been kind of complicit you can go back to vietnam and say you know walter cronkite pretty much screwed the vietnam war effort by what he said that night about how this is an unwinnable war, basically. Mm -hmm. Now he didn't he didn't uh, 
he honored the soldiers in the military that were there, but that was the social justice type thing at that particular time. Mm-hmm. I think it's always been there. We just notice it more now. Dark periods in American history, the Civil War, the Great Depression, uh, the Vietnam era, and I, I would include that kind of the 60s. Oh, yeah. Hippies destroyed America as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, the assassinations that took place in the 60s, you know, with the killings of both Kennedys and Martin Luther King and so on and so forth. Do you think that today's, that that today, everything that's going on today, I mean, everything with, with COVID, with the divided nation, do you think that this is going to go down in history as one of our darkest times? See, to me, I, I don't even think about that right now because here, here's here's why. You know what I was thinking about all last year? We better be able to play a football game because my son's a senior. <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not having him missing a game because we got some idiot who got COVID and he's sitting by him in class. That was my focus all last year. So, you know, that's something I really haven't thought about much. Um, yeah, I, I think that depends on who writes the books and who, and who sits down and says this is going to be history. Because if it's somebody who has a liberal tint to it, yeah, it'll be like that. You know, last spring, Bryce made the Drake relays. And all I cared about is I want to go watch him throw. That's all I cared about, you know. And we we were lucky enough that we got tickets and I was able to go. Our coaches were able to go and my wife and my daughter were able to go and they were outside the fence but watched Bryce throw the entire time. So to be honest, that I, I was more thinking – as a dad, more than anything, and a coach at this, and I don't, to be honest, that's what I always think of anyway. Um, mm. If I, if I, if I couldn't coach football, I probably wouldn't have thought, but I still, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love teaching history, but I love football more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. Now um, I'm going to, I surprise, I'm surprising Dave and you, Jeff, with um, a little friendly history competition because <laughs> You know, Dave is a self-proclaimed history person on the Two Daves podcast. Uh-oh. But now I've got some good competition for him oh, in no. you. So I'm going to be asking some questions. Yeah. And if you don't have it, if you don't know it, if you get it right, you get two points. If you don't know it, the other person can still for one point. Okay. Are you ready for oh, this? No. I'm not ready. Please, please uh, Jeff annihilate day for me would you well, please we'll see i'm just i'm oh. still in football mode so i'm still thinking about <laughs> plays <laughs> okay uh who wants to start first you can go ahead you, you, you go jeff okay okay jeff how many years did the 100 year war last how many years did the 100 year war last? and i'm going to give you within i'll give you within three years for that within three it was, I think, about 125. You're close. You're close. Dave, do you know? No, I don't. <laughs> okay. It was 116. Uh, you were close, Jeff. I can't hear you, Dave. I said you were close, Jeff. There yeah, it was, went on. It was, I teach about that in world history because – the Battle of Agincourt is one of my favorite battles because it was highlighted in Henry V in Shakespeare mm-hmm. with uh, with Henry V's Christmas Day speech. And I love that fact. I used to be able to spout that one verbatim. 
I'm Ooh, giving wow. I'm I'm giving Jeff a point just for that knowledge right there. Okay. Yeah. Here we go, Dave. Are you ready? No. Okay, here we go. In which which year did Hitler commit suicide? 1945. What'd you say, Jeff? Yep, 45 is correct. You're correct. Give you two points. Okay, here we go. Uh, Jeff, in what year was John F. Kennedy assassinated? Great. That is correct. 63. Okay, uh, Dave, one of the ancient world wonders of the, the Hanging Gardens was found in which city? That I, that's true. I can't hear you on your microphone. You said Babylon, right? That is correct. I still cannot hear you. He's right. Okay, that got gotcha. you. Okay, Jeff. Um, uh, let's do this. Uh, how many days was Harrison president of the United States? About forty. He was about forty, I believe. What do you say, Dave? I can't hear you at all. I'm so sorry. Something's 30. up with that. 30. It was 32. It was 32. Okay. Uh, Dave, in 1927, who became the first man to solo and nonstop across the Atlantic? Don't be looking on your phone. Lindbergh. That's correct. That's correct. I'm sorry, folks. We got a problem with Dave. Uh, uh, okay. Which, Jeff, if you know this, this will be good here. Which U.S. president had a home called the Hermitage? Is that right? Yes. That's Jefferson, I believe. No, 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 no. That is uh, Jackson, I think. That's correct. That's Jackson. That is correct. Dave. Yes. Uh, what famous battle took place on Sunday, June 18th, 1815? You got me. Okay, In Jeff. 15, we took a little trip along the, the, uh, along the Colonel Jackson down the mighty Mississippi, Bow, New Orleans. Jeff, you're good. Okay. It was actually fought two weeks after the war was over. It was. Wow. Okay. Here we go. Whose turn is it to ask? They, uh, Jeff, how many U.S. presidents have been assassinated? Okay. Uh, Kennedy. Um, McKinley. Uh, I knew this one time. Lincoln. I believe there's four. That is correct. That is correct. Yeah. Okay, now I can hear you, Dave. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Um, oh, hold on. Okay. You can go right. ahead and ask me. Dave. Okay, you ready? Here we yeah. go. Um, who was shot outside the Hilton Hotel in Washington? Ronald Reagan. That's correct. That's correct. Okay, uh, we'll just do a couple more here. Uh, Jeff, who was the first man to walk on the moon and what year was that? Neil Armstrong, 1969. Very good. Do you teach about that? A little bit. A little do bit. people care? Do the kids care about 
the moon no. and all that. No. No, they don't care anything about the but TikToks right now. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Okay, uh, let's do. Um, who invented the cotton gin, Dave? Eli Whitney. They're very good. All right, he's doing pretty good. And what year, Jeff, did the War of 1812 end? 1815. That's correct. Okay. Uh, let's see. I'm just trying to go through this a little bit more here. Okay. Um, what was the first, what was the name of the first car ever made? Betsy. No, I, <laughs> I don't know. No. no idea. The motor wagon. The motor wagon. Okay. Jeff, which war took place between 1950 and 1953? That is correct. Uh, let's see. Uh, it, Dave, in what year was the first Super Bowl played? 1966. Oh, you're so close. 67? 67. Season. Oh, wait, now, okay, now you want to, I can tell you, this is a trick, this is a party trick I have. I can tell you the score, the, the two teams that played, and the quarterbacks and the numbers they wore for each Super Bowl. Wow. Wow. Wasn't it, wasn't it Kansas City and Green Bay? Yes, it was. That. But it was 67, 66 season, if you're talking the year. So, I, uh, so like, just throw I'll out give a year. Dave a point. Throw, okay. throw, out, throw out a year from 1967 to 19 to two, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll show you. Just throw out one year. Okay. Throw, give me uh, a year. 1983. Okay, 1983, that Super Bowl was Washington 27, Miami 17. It was a strike short in year of 82. Um, Joe Theismann wore number seven, and David Woodley started the game. Don Strott wore number 16. Don Strott came in wearing number 10. Joe Gibbs was the Redskins coach, and Shula was the, was the Redskins, uh, Dolphins coach. Jeff. Wow. We got to have you come back for some football trivia, man. Talk some football. And yeah. Dave, don't give me a hard time about my movie knowledge. Uh, oh, yeah, I know. Hey, Jeff, why don't you tell? Okay, first of all, Jeff, you're way in the lead, and that makes me feel really good. So uh, <laughs> that's good. Why don't you tell the people you played in the, um, in the Shrine Bowl, which mm -hmm. tell us what that is, and tell us some of the players that you played with. D Dave, you're going to enjoy this here. Um, I was lucky enough to get chosen to the Shrine Bowl, which is an all-star game between the North and the South. The Highway, highway 30 divides the, the state. Uh, if you live if the town is on Highway 30, you play for the South, except for Cedar Rapids, which plays with the North. Um, I didn't play very much. I wasn't as good as the other guy, which is fine. But in 1989, the opposing quarterback was Kurt Warner. Huh. He threw a 35-yard pass over my head in the third play of the game. I used to feel real bad about it. Not anymore. Um, no. <laughs> also, on the line that year for the North was Adam Timmerman, who played, yep. I believe, at, in, in uh, South Dakota, Rockstan, one of those two. But he has two Super Bowl rings, one for the Packers and one for the Rams. And also on that team was Trev Alberts, who won the Buckus Award for Nebraska, is now the AD at Nebraska. And on my team, 
was Dana Holgerson, who was the coach at West Virginia for a while now. I was at Houston. And mm-hmm. he was a tool. I'm still trying to figure out how that happened. I do know how it happened because he, he's from Mount Pleasant. He, did, he washed out at Iowa, went to Wesleyan when Mummy and, and uh, Mike Leach were there. And so he got he hitched, hitched onto those guys. See, so there's was, some football history right there. There was it, it was a great experience because they treated you like a king for about ten days. I was really sad last year or, or this this past summer because my nephew made it to the Triangle and they didn't get a play. Oh, because of the vid. My um my sister Michelle's. Well, I'm in back up. No, he didn't get a play in 2020. Uh, and they they played the 2021 game. But they didn't play in 2020, and and it was too bad because uh, Tanner deserved it. He was a good football player. Mm. By the way, you won, Jeff, 14 to nine. Uh, hey, uh, as Jeff had mentioned, my uh, Jeff's dad, my uncle Bob, uh, died last March 2020. Right, March. Uh, March I'm to, first day of the 16. COVID break. Yeah. He, he was struggling with, uh, it's some kind of nerve disease, right? Yeah, he had a muscle-wasting disease where he was losing muscle tone and couldn't grip anymore. Um, yeah. Obviously, I want my dad still around because we were tight. Um, you know, I, like, I have numerous times I've like, I should call, oh, wait a minute, I can't. Um, be a long-distance phone call. Um, yeah. But uh, if dad would still be alive, it probably wouldn't be very good for him because he probably was headed to a wheelchair within the next couple of years. Yeah. Uh, Dave lost his dad last year, um, and uh, John was 93? 91. 91, 91. Um, and I, I know uh, that uh, you've told me, Jeff, that um, it's been, you know, it was a struggle there. And so you you started to kind of take that, you know, struggle and turn it into a passion for well, just tell us kind of in closing here what you what you do. Well, okay. Um, what had happened? I was I was starting to go down a wrong road where I was dep- depressed and it was it was really hard because nobody really close to me has ever passed before. My, my grandparents passed, but Dave, I, Dave had a much different relationship with Grandma Martin than I did because I never saw her but once or twice a year. Well, I, I didn't know what to do, so I'm talking to one of my friends, and we're talking about football helmets because we played together at Simpson. And he said, man, I'd like to have an Ohio State helmet. And so I'm just going to make one. So I made one. Well, I thought, this is kind of fun. Hold on for a second. So I decided I'm going to make helmets. So nice. we have now made, my wife and I have now made in since March of 2020 over 350 helmets. Wow. You know, we, uh, my wife has a silhouette machine where she cuts the decals. These obviously, these actually were Iowa State decals that I, I picked up, but my, my, my wife is, is a genius at it. And we made, we can make about anything. Um, I get, it's been really neat because what happened is I was making them, <clears throat> you know, and I, my wife said, you know what, you need to start selling some of these. So, Probably about 20 into it, I started selling them for 25 a piece. Don't tell the, don't tell the copyright people. Um, <laughs> then I just say it's a donation to me. 
And but what what happens is I found out that it I love doing it, and I even had I did it in my garage. I just kind of walked around. But now my father-in-law apparently had to have something to do too last November, so he built me a room with a turntable and things like that. Nice. And so I'll go to different coaches I know and pick up helmets. Like I've been to Alden, Iowa, about three times and gotten about a load of about a hundred helm about fifty, sixty helmets. Just got one about because. Uh, one from West Burlington of about 60, about 50 that were rejected because helmets only have a 10-year life in most cases. And after that, they have to be thrown away. They can't be sold. So I take them and rip them up and take something that's going in the garbage and try and make something that's nice. And what's really neat about it is how people react to them. Uh, one of the first ones we did, what really hooked me is back in the summer of 2020, there's a I made a Nebraska helmet for the Sigourney Kyoto guy, who's a friend of mine. And on his his website or his Facebook feed was a guy, one of his players, and he wanted a helmet from when his dad played at Sigourney back in 1979. So we found a picture and copied it. He saw it and he we, I met him in Washington. He and he came running to me with his money, took it like this, and just the joy that people get from it is. Is, is, is great because it's something that you know you, you can go buy a Chicago Bears helmet for 150 bucks whatever you want but I've made eight or nine of them um and just to see people how they like them and I just had one where I made a Montana helmet because I just I like them I like I like I look at them I like that helmet I'll make it and this and one one of my the West Burlington coach saw it on Facebook and asked me because I that one was spoken for so I made another one and he gave it to his dad who graduated in 1979 from Montana. Hadn't been back there since. He said he started crying. So I'm like, that's you know what? Cool. That's why we do it. And it's a lot of fun. I get, I get pretty dirty and we make, we, we made some decent money. So that's good. Well, that's, that's wonderful. I've been there and I have some of those helmets and I just want to thank you, Jeff, for being with us tonight. This was great. I really uh, uh, enjoy talking with you and, and uh, not, not only that uh, you're my cousin, but uh, you're a smart guy as well. And so uh, I, appreciate I, I appreciate that, Jeff. And uh, we just thank you for coming on. No problem. Anytime. Yeah, we thank you. We want to thank Andy and all of our listeners for being mm -hmm. with us during this episode. Please don't forget to comment and share this podcast with your friends. And hey, why don't you message us on our Two Dave's podcast, Facebook or Instagram page, and we'd be happy to talk with you. And until next time, help us increase our podcasting viewership. And um, we look forward to doing this once again. And always remember that two Daves are always better than one. Yeah.